cross is central to our faith. We have crosses all around inside the church. We have crosses outside the church. I wear a cross every single day. We sing songs, hallelujah to the cross. The cross is so central to our faith that it permeates everything we do. And yet, there are a lot of people who have no idea what the cross means. Just this week, I was talking with a high schooler, a senior in high school, and he had a cross on his neck, around his neck, on a chain. And it was fairly large, it wasn't overly large, but it was ornate enough that it certainly called attention to itself. And so I asked him, does it mean anything to you? And he said, well, it was a gift from some folks, but it doesn't really mean anything to me. His answer was not surprising, even though it was disappointing. For many people, the cross is just a piece of jewelry. And that's the mindset for many, many people. They have no idea. It is an empty symbol for folks. Even inside the church, we see it so often that sometimes we forget actually what it means. So tonight, I think it would be good for us to ask ourselves, what does the cross mean? When you look at the cross, what do you see? For a lot of non-believers, if they know something about Jesus, they might think, well... He was a good man, a good teacher, and it was a way for him to show how we should live our lives and the sacrifice we should give on behalf of others. For believers, if they know Jesus at all, they might think, well, the cross was about grace and mercy. And indeed, it is about grace and mercy. Tonight, however, I would like you to think of it as more. When when you look at the cross, I would like you to see the king who forgives. So let's understand this king. From the Gospel of John, chapter 19, starting with verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place that is called the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Now the exact location of Golgotha is somewhat unknown. It is certainly in uh, in Jerusalem, but outside the city. There is a place where they say it is the place of Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. In fact, if you take a look at the hillside, it looks like there are two empty eye sockets that would be the skull. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. Was it the same then as it is today? It's hard to say. But it does look like a skull. And by the way, Golgotha, when you translate it from Greek into Latin and then Latin into English, is known as Calvary. So if you hear of a church named Calvary, it refers back to Golgotha, 
the place of the skull. Or you hear Mount Calvary Church. That is the mount where Jesus was crucified, him with two others. All on crosses. But there was something different about this cross. This cross had a sign on it that proclaimed him king in three different languages. In fact, if you look closely, I know it's very dim tonight, but there are three different languages on there, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. All say, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This is what Pilate wrote. If you go to Scripture from the Gospel of John again, it says, Pilate wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. So the question is, was Pilate right? Was Jesus king of the Jews? You see, just a few days before, on Palm Sunday, he had entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. And the people shouted their hosannas, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. With their shouts of praise, they were saying that he is of the line of David. He is of royal lineage. That's what they were proclaiming. But for those who knew Jesus... This was not news that he was from the line of David. In fact, this is what the angel of the Lord said to Mary. He will be great and called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And in the Gospel of Matthew... It says, the wise men came to see the king. It says, they they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They knew that he was the king of the Jews because they had read the scripture. It wasn't Pilate who said he is the king of the Jews. This was from long, long ago. It was ordained by God. Read Daniel chapter 7. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. His kingdom was not given to him by Pilate. This was ordained by God from eternity. And thus, the exchange that Jesus had with Pilate recorded, accounted in all four of the Gospels is so important. This is from John's account, chapter 18. 
So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests had delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world. He is not just the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of righteousness. He is the holy one of God. He is the rock. He is the redeemer. He is the alpha and the the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the author of salvation. He is the cornerstone, the Savior. He is the Christ of God. He is the great I Am. He himself is Yahweh. And Pilate, whether he knew it or not, had written this. Had written this on the cross. You see, in three different languages, in Greek and Latin, You read from left to right, we would normally read, but in Aramaic, you read from right to left. And the first letter of each of those words is Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, the great I Am. Pilate unknowingly and in complete shock to the Jews, wrote the unspoken name of God for all to see. God, through Pilate, had declared his son, God, Savior of the world. Behold the cross, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was on that cross. And he is the king who forgives. From the Gospel of Luke, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Now let me ask you, if you were being kicked, if you were being beaten, if you were near death, would the first thing in your mind and out of your lips be forgiveness of the people who are beating you, who are killing you? I mean, no, it wouldn't, would it? Your first thought would not be forgiveness. The first thought 
would be anger, wrath, hatred, perhaps even seeking for revenge. This is the natural course for us. Think of all the movies that are out there where the one who is down and out gets beaten. And then what it is? It's a story of revenge. Where that person comes out on top and we cheer for that person because they have gotten revenge. Rarely, if ever, will you see a story about forgiveness. And yet, this is what Jesus did. He pleaded to the Father to forgive them. He is our intercessor before the very throne, even if they were ignorant. But let me ask you, what were they ignorant of? Did they not know that they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him? Were they ignorant of the nails going through his hands and feet? Were they ignorant of spitting upon him and mocking him? Exactly what were they ignorant of? They were ignorant of the greatest sin, which is rejecting Jesus. Of rejecting him as king. Of rejecting him as Lord and Savior. And yet, he forgave them. He pleaded for forgiveness. To forgive their sin. To forgive someone's sin is to hold them guiltless, to remove what they have done is wrong, to not seek punishment for them, to not harbor hatred or animosity. And what he did was ask for perfect forgiveness. Perfect forgiveness. And that's beyond me. I don't know if it's beyond you, but it is certainly beyond me. That perfect forgiveness can only come from, the, from God himself, from his very nature. One is so holy and loving and compassionate. And this was not just Jesus there at the cross. This is God from the very beginning. Think of Moses and the Israelites and how they had sinned so greatly against God. They had built a golden calf. And yet, what did God do? The Lord came before Moses. He passed by him and proclaimed the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is the nature of God, merciful. We've talked about that, the compassion. To have mercy is to have compassion. And during our sermon series, not that long ago, talking about Bartimaeus and others crying out to Jesus, 
mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped because he had compassion. What is mercy? It is withholding the punishment someone actually deserves. But yet, God is also gracious. And gracious goes beyond mercy. Graciousness is giving them something they don't deserve. And in Christ Jesus, that means life and life everlasting. It also says that it is slow to anger. Sometimes it's translated as long-suffering. The patience that the Lord God has with each and every one of us is astounding. And it says abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That abounding speaks of the depth, the breadth of His love, His faithfulness. That's the nature of God. That's the nature of Jesus. And because of that, He forgives our iniquity, our wickedness, and our sin. See, when we understand the depth and breadth of our wickedness, of our sin, our transgressions, you have to marvel at the depth, the breadth, the height of God's love for us. Perfect forgiveness. I don't understand that. I'm, I'm just moved by that tonight, and I, I can't comprehend it. Peter had trouble understanding it too. You know, Jesus was teaching his disciples that they had to forgive. And so Peter comes up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So Peter is probably trying to do the right thing here. See, you have to understand, in the rabbinic tradition, they would say, forgive someone three times and then you're done. So Peter, maybe he was trying to show off a little bit, I don't know. But he says, as many as seven times? Right? And seven's a perfect number. And it's more than three, isn't it? But he didn't understand. So Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Jesus took a perfect number and then multiplied by another perfect number. And he's talking not just about a number, but the depth and breadth of God's love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. That's the degree of the cross. That forgiveness, which can only come through Christ Jesus. That's why we hold the cross so high. That's why Paul wrote this 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In essence, I've decided to know nothing about you, nothing, nothing among you except Jesus Christ, His cross, and the forgiveness we have in Him. Because without Him, without the cross, there is no forgiveness. But in Christ Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of righteousness, we have this wonderful, wonderful gift that we are totally, perfectly forgiven in Him. That is why this is a good Friday. Amen.